Um, We are reading from Mark chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 21 through to verse 34. It's Mark chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Heavenly Father, we come to your word and we are confronted with this, with this passage of Jesus entering into a ministry of power and authority. And we pray now, Lord, that you will help us to understand clearly what is happening here and what it is that you have to say to us this morning. And Father God, I pray that each of us will be challenged to go away from here about who we see Jesus as and how to respond to him. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to put this meme up because I couldn't find a picture that was... So I'm going to get you to read the meme before I start talking because you're going to get distracted. Uh, it's kind of funny. Anyway, so what it relates to is... Um, now, before I became a pastor, I worked in the corporate world. I suited up every day. I went into a big office, big, big company, all that kind of thing. Uh, and every now and again, you would hear, get a memo about the CEO was coming to visit your floor... Um, now, none of us really knew who the CEO was. Uh, we wouldn't know if it was a man or a woman half the time. We wouldn't even recognise him. So the, manager or her, so the managers would send around a memo a few days telling us a few things. Do not edit your desk. Make sure your desks are tidy. Make sure it looks like you're working hard. Make sure you're dressed appropriately. Only greet the CEO if he or she greets you. Uh, and don't ask any questions. All the kitchenettes got cleaned, the big biscuit tins were replaced by nice fruit bowls. Uh, If you'd been hounding your boss for two years about your broken chair, suddenly you had a new chair. You know, all these things would happen because the CEO was arriving. But see, these announcements and these preparations only had any impact if the staff were able to recognise who the CEO was. So they always included a photo so that you would see them. 
Now, I worked with a fella at one company. His name was Adam. Uh, he was a relaxed bloke. I think he thought emails were an optional extra to read in his workplace. Uh, he often came to work looking like he'd just done the gardens. And, uh, and he really couldn't care less about authority or anything else that was going on. I don't know how he still had the job, but he did. So one day we got this memo and the CEO comes out of the, comes out of the lift and starts walking and we're all frantically picking up the phone and speaking to someone that isn't on the other end. Uh, we're typing frantically uh, into a document that wasn't even open, you know, all that kind of thing. But Adam hadn't read the memo. So Adam turns up in his gardening clothes. Well, it wasn't quite that bad. Um, I guess that he reminded me of Adam. So that's, and and he, he, he was sitting there and he just got his kind of chocolate donut and mega chino that he'd spilled over the front. And he's sitting there and the CEO walks past his desk. Now we're all just frantically head down. And then Adam suddenly turns to the fellow next to him and goes, because the CEO obviously is in his $5,000 suit, he's walking with great confidence, he's going through, and Adam just turns to the fellow next to him and says, Who's this joker? <laughs> now, it felt like we'd all been thrown into ice cold water because we just clenched up. We started saying, No, no, I've made a $5 million deal. <laughs> And finally, but the CEO didn't flinch. He just walked straight around the corner. And when he was out of sight, we all turned to Adam and explained what he'd just done. Well, we never saw Adam again. See, when someone with authority appears, your response to them will depend on your recognition of them. When the Son of God, the Messiah, appears, your response to him will depend on your recognition of him. And in the passage that we're looking at today, we have those who recognise who Jesus is and those who don't recognise who Jesus is. Now we saw last week, uh, Mark showed that John the Baptist sent the memo around. In verse 7, he says, After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And the next moment we, we are told, then Jesus appears. We heard he was baptised. He was affirmed by God the Father. This is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. The Spirit comes down. And Jesus is affirmed in who John had said he is. And then in verse 14, we're told he went into Galilee. And just to get some perspective, this is the north part of Israel, and this is the region of Galilee. And you can see, Galilee, and you can see Capernaum, Capernaum, you probably can't see it, but it's, it's up the top of the, lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee there. Now, I've been there. I've been to the synagogue in Capernaum, I've been to, the, to Peter's mother's house. Well, in Israel, they always say, if it's not here, it's near. Um, you know, so everyone wants to make a buck. But there's high probability, and there's a church over the top of it now. They've basically built a church over the top of it in the ruins of what is probably, but it's you know, a stone's throw from the synagogue, which is how they lived in that time. 
You see, these are real places, real times where Jesus walked. And if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, I encourage you to do that. Capernaum was a place where there would have been uh, a Roman, a Roman uh, centurions were there. We hear that from, uh, from other parts. It was an important city in many, in many respects. And we're told Jesus goes into Capernaum. He's gone into the region of Galilee and he goes into Capernaum. And the first exercise of his authority, we're told, is in his teaching. Just have a look at verses 21 and 22 there. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, that's the Saturday, the, uh, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. Now notice there's something very special about when Jesus teaches. And you'd expect there to be, really, if the claims that have already been made on him are true. See, he's different to the teachers of the law, and I'm sure you've done this as I have. Maybe you're doing it in this season of life, but you go to church week in, week out, and these people just give you information, and you just... You kind of hear it, but nothing moves inside of you. Well, these are the teachers of the law. They're just giving information. But when Jesus spoke, something special happened. Now, this is John Chapman. Many of you would have heard Chapo preach or, or, um, or maybe heard his ministry. Well, I became a Christian under Chapo's preaching. Now, I'm not going to say anything negative about the church that I was attending for three years before I heard Chapo teach. I got lots of information I knew my theology just about, I knew all sorts of things, but I wasn't yet a Christian. I would say to people, yeah, that's all good, but I don't really believe. And it was three years of really solid theology just hitting me week in, week out, week in, week out. Going to Bible studies, yes, this is the truth, this is what it is, but no one ever challenged me with the gospel, I don't think. I went to Katoomba Youth Convention in 1997. I was a little younger, and um, had some hair. And, um, and I went, and, and it was Australia, though, I believe, and, and I still remember sitting there and Chapo just going bang with the gospel. But it wasn't just the gospel, it was in the word of God, and he would bring it out of the word of God. And he, would, he declared it, and then he challenged me, and he showed me why this mattered for my life. And I think it was the first time that I'd ever felt the spirit just go bang. And I ended up on my knees just weeping and weeping and weeping that night. You see, there's something special with someone who is speaking from the word of God in the spirit. And here we have not just the chapo, but we have Jesus. Now remember back in the very first verse... Uh, of this, of this, um, of this book, we are told the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. You see, Jesus is the good news. He is the gospel. But we give a glimpse of what he's actually preaching, and we see that in verses fourteen and fifteen here. 
After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, the reason the power is here is because it's straight from the word of God, by the word of God, for the word of God. Can you see this? Jesus himself is the anointed one. We've been told he is the good news. He is the son of God. And now he declares the kingdom is in your midst, the literal translation. Right here, he says, I am talking to you as the king of the kingdom. You're not talking about me anymore. I'm the one it's about. The one who is the good news is declaring the good news. And he says, repent, turn away from your life of sin and believe the good news. That's the message. So simple. Leave your life of moving away from God. Surrender yourself to him. Turn it back. And move towards God. That's what repentance means. A U-turn, just move towards him. You don't need all the theology. That'll come. That'll come. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to walk to him. Open yourself up and surrender yourself to him and say, I need you. I need you to forgive my sin, my rebellion against you. This is what Jesus says. And what a privilege. Here he is. He stands. The authority is demonstrated by Jesus here in his teaching. But you can see from the text, the appearance of the one with authority soon creates a huge problem for those who recognize who he truly is. And they know they are going to be exposed. Have a look at uh, verses 23 to 26. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Have you come to destroy us? You see, there is something bigger going on here than a man turning up to a church to give a message. That's why I often say to many of you, I don't like the word message. A message I get from the postman. The message I get from from the internet. The message I get when my kids come and tell me what they've done. No, there's something bigger going on here. The binding of the spiritual realm upon the physical realm is being exposed. This is enormous, that's what's going on here. See, Luke tells us that when Jesus went into the synagogue of Nazareth, he declared, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. 
See, why is there no freedom? Why is there poverty and destruction? Why are there wars and rumours of wars? Why is there oppression? Why are children sold into slavery? Why is there physical abuse happening all around us? Because of the sin that permeates humanity. And it's the very tool that the spiritual darkness, the devil himself uses to bind us to him. This is why it happens. The scripture tells us we're slaves to this sin. We're slaves to the darkness. We are slaves to our own sinful nature because the devil can effectively manipulate us with his temptation because we cannot resist. And so when the one who comes to set us free from sin and death who has proven by going out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted, when he is told to throw himself off the temple because God will save him, devil quoting the scripture, Jesus quotes back and he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, Jesus in every way preparing for his ministry has shown that he is not subject to the power of the devil. Because he is without sin. He is the one with uh, authority. He is the one who has all power. And now we see one of the devil's spirits say, what do you want with us? Are you going to destroy us? He's saying, I know you have all the power to destroy all evil. Is that what you're about to do? See, the king of God's kingdom has arrived. There is no authority in heaven and on earth that has anything over him. He tells us as he gives us a great commission in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so therefore go. Go and make disciples. See, the darkness recognises, but they do not trust. They know because they have seen him before all time, because he is without he, is without, he has not been created. He has always been there. He was there when all the spiritual darkness even began to exist. But you see the contrast between the impure spirit's response and the response in the people in verses 27 and 28. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? And you teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. See, there's no real recognition of who he is. They're encountering him for the first time. And this is the big question of Mark. Who is this man? Now, Mark's told us up front, but remember, they're encountering this miracle. They're encountering his teaching for the first time. We've been given all that up front. And they're going, what is happening here? Who is this? What is this authority? And no doubt some of them were going, who's this joker? Who's this joker? Who does he think he is standing up and doing this? In fact, it's this moment that led the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And as he continues to go out and heal and teach, this is what leads him to the crucifixion and to be killed. 
Why? Because those who wanted the authority could not submit to the true authority and so they need to kill the authority in order to reclaim the authority. But little do they know that that's all part of the plan and the true authority is fully and fully sealed forever into eternity when they do kill the authority. Because in his resurrection, he is affirmed in having authority even over death. See, Jesus' ministry has begun. And the journey to reveal his identity, authority and power through his teaching, his miracles and ultimately his death and resurrection has been laid out. And I'm not going to look too much at the next passage, but he goes straight from there and heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then we're told he went into uh, the whole town, gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many from their diseases. He drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. He even had the authority over what the demons said. Now this passage is all about authority. The CEO has come out of the, has come out of the lift. He's walking past your desk. Are you reading the memo? See, Jesus isn't an unmarked police car that's travelling next to you. You don't even know he's there. He is a marked police car. He's made it very clear who he is and what his authority is. The question we are confronted with this, with this morning is, are you willing to submit to that authority? Are you willing to surrender and lay down your whole life to worship and to commit yourself to the one with the true authority? Or are you still going to follow all those who declare they've got the authority? You know what? I don't care if ScoMo or Albo is the Prime Minister of our country. You know what? I don't care. I care on one level, of course. Okay, that's why I was up all night and I had an election party with myself. Okay, I care on one level. Not joking. (laughs) But ultimately, I don't care. Because I know that they have been placed there by the one with the ultimate authority. And even if it doesn't seem to be aligned with God's will, even if it seems that the people leading our country or other countries are going to be bad for our faith, going to be bad for whatever the future of Christianity is, well, I tell you, when they stoned Stephen to death in Acts chapter 7, I'm sure the church thought that that was the worst thing that could ever happen and they all scattered. Suddenly they were scattered across all of the Roman Empire. And no doubt a lot of them, a lot of the Jews were going, okay, that's finished. But they are not the ones with authority. The one with authority. His kingdom will come. The king of the kingdom is here. He is in your midst. Are you going to submit to his authority? Are you going to put your hand up and declare that I am not the authority on my life? that he is are you going to lay it down let me encourage you that when you do that he is not like the albos and the scomos he is not like the putins he is not like the leaders that we know on this earth 
He's the one who says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will set you free from the, from the, from, from the debilitating life of sin. He's the one who says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's the one who says, In my Father's house are many rooms and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He's the one who came and touched the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and set her free. He's the one who said, Talitha Kum, little girl, get up. He's the one who wept for Lazarus as he will weep for you. Come out, Lazarus. He is the one who will give you the comfort that you will never have elsewhere. He is the one who will walk with you through the pain, walk with you through the suffering. And as you struggle with that sin and that temptation, he is the one who says, I've laid down my life for you. Not for any other reason than I love you. And you are now mine. Come and walk with me. This isn't an authority that's scary to submit to. It is the one where true freedom is found. It is the one where true life is found. It is the one where joy, even in the most deepest, darkest parts, it is the one that uh, through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil, for he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. If you have not submitted your life to this wonderful authority, the king of the kingdom, the one who holds all life in his hands, let me encourage you to do that today. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to come and see me because it's simply asking forgiveness for your sin and committing your life into his path. Let's pray. Father God, We come here worshipping the king of the kingdom and look, we know that we we fall short. We, we, We have to fall short, Lord, because when we're confronted with the true authority, it calls us to fall to our knees and declare that we are unworthy. With the tax collector to beat our breast and say, have mercy on us, a sinner. But Father God, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that... He has paved the way for our forgiveness, that through his death and resurrection, that great demonstration of his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Through that, we can know we can come confidently to you through him, looking forward to a day where that room that you are preparing for us with the inheritance that never perishes, spoils or fades and is being kept in heaven for us, is our great reward. So, Father God, bless us now. Pray for those who do not know Jesus as their uh, Lord and Saviour. Bless them right now. Change their hearts and move them into a space where they can know the freedom that comes in him. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.